0: We meet today in Proverbs chapter 6, and today we are looking at verse 1 to verse 15. Proverbs chapter 6 covers many different subjects, and of the many different subjects, the section we are looking at today mainly looks at some good business principles. You see, it starts with these good principles for the business world today, and these apply for both Christians and non-Christians alike. These are simply good business principles. You see, my friend, God has given a lot of good advice for all many kind, the served as well as the unserved. Here is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 5. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now, In this passage that we have looked at, the wise man mentions two things which are good advice at any time. First one is beware of signing a friend's note. And he says never become a partner with a stranger. And that is good advice, my friend. The unsaved man can follow this advice even in his business. And it will be helpful to him. The Christian as well can take this good advice never to become a partner with a stranger, meaning even an unbeliever. Because when you come into partnership with an unbeliever, that person is a stranger. You belong to a different economy, the household of faith. Now, the second vase would indicate that the fellow has been boasting, you see. Apparently, one of the reasons a man will co-sign a note with another man is that he wants to be the big shot. He wants to appear to have a lot of money. He wants to appear outstanding in the financial realm, and that becomes the basis of the boast. The creditor now has his neighbor in his hand as a co-signer, holding surety, which may include actually a man's house and goods thus making all that he has dependent upon the will of his creditor neighbor. The solution to this dilemma is to humble oneself, that is to plead, to gain the desired end. Furthermore, one is not to rest or sleep, as indicated in verse 4. Verse 4 actually says, Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. What does that mean? You are not supposed to sleep until you have been released, even as a gazelle or a bird that is entrapped does not rest until it sets itself free. Until it is free, it cannot give itself rest. And so the advice is make sure that you do everything that is possible to be released from the hand of the one whom you have co-signed the note with. Now, the subject that is being dealt with here actually has diverse implications because a common policy among lending institutions today is to require people with risky credit to have someone co-sign their loan. I mean, I remember wanting even just to get myself connected to the electricity opening a new account because I had moved into a new residence, I needed to find someone to co-sign for me. What that meant is they are saying people who are getting into such agreements are actually risky credit. Therefore, someone must co-sign. You see, the co-signer must be able to make good on the note if the principal borrower defrauds on the repayment. That's what it means in effect the risk in the transaction is being transferred from the lender to the co-signer and here proverbs warns the would-be co-signers that the risk is too great to accept even for a friend and you see there are several reasons why it actually applied in that time the reasons are given you see Guaranteeing dates will soon or later result in loss on the part of the guarantor. Co-signing lessens the incentive for the principal borrower to pay back the loan and thus may encourage irresponsibility. You see, the one who is the principal borrower will feel well even if I don't pay. The one who co-signed for me will fill in for me, and so someone might become irresponsible. The other reason is that we are accountable both to God and to our families and our heirs. For how we manage our property, we are supposed to use our resources to the glory of God and for the benefit of others, not risking them unnecessarily. You see, when you have co-signed a note, you are also bringing in your family alongside. Fourthly, if we cannot afford to lose what we pledge, then we may jeopardize the security of our family and heirs, a form of irresponsibility that scripture strongly condemns. In First Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. If we co-sign for a friend or family member and he fails to pay the debt, we risk the loss not just of our own things, but even the loss of the relationships. So what are we supposed to do, my friend? There are circumstances under which co-signing a note is permissible, but the norm is take care. Yes, scripture does not flatly prohibit suretyship. In fact, it offers several examples which actually indicate that guaranteeing a loan can be a form of service to others, and even a testimony of love and the self-sacrificial spirit that lies at the heart of the Gospel. We do have certain many examples in the Scriptures the patriarch Judah volunteered to be collateral for his young half-brother Benjamin in Genesis chapter 43 verse 8 to verse 9. You see, Joseph was overwhelmed by this willingness of Judah to place himself at risk. Judah was demonstrating the kind of self-sacrifice that Jesus Christ later urged his followers to practice. He said in John 15 verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Paul also became surety for the runaway slave Onesimus, as we read in Philemon 10 to 13 and even 18 to 19. Paul did not incur this risk foolishly, no, no. He knew Onesimus quite well. Nonetheless, Paul's act was a marvellous display of the grace of Christ. Christ himself became surety for us as sinners when he obtained eternal redemption for us. That is found in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22, chapter 9 verse 12. By his atoning death, he wiped out the certificate of debt with its requirements against us. And we find this also in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. In the light of these models, you see, there may be times when guaranteeing a note not only makes sense, but gives us an opportunity to demonstrate in concrete terms the redeeming work of Christ. For example, a wise and a financially able believer could offer to become surety for someone who needs help in buying equipment or tools to earn a living. He can explain in the process that what he is doing is analogous to what Jesus has done for us. Thus, the co-signer would not only be sharing the gospel, but showing the gospel as well. The gospel has to be shown. But I must even insist that when the co-signer is coming into such an understanding, the scriptures further tell us that we will actually venture into this by faith. Should the other partner take irresponsibility, the believer, the child of God, ought to settle the dates willingly and even not expect payment. Should payment come praise the Lord. But even when payment does not come, you should do it because you are doing this as a service to the Lord. Not only should one be prudent in what he does in his businesses and prudent in what he says in his business world, but he is also to learn something from the ends. You see, this is where the whole catchy of the whole story comes in. You must be prudent in what you do in your business as an individual and even in the business world. But you must learn from the ants. God has given us an object lesson from the ants, the little creatures. Here is Proverbs chapter 6 verse 6 to verse 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which, having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. This is very interesting, my friend. Here the sluggard is the habitually lazy person. And this person is admonished to learn two important lessons from the little creature's ants. You see, the ant has no guide, has no overseer or ruler. That's what verse 7 talks about. And that means that the ant does not have to have a taskmaster standing over it to make sure that it is work. You see, an ant is a self-starter, is self-motivated. Two, the ant is wise enough to prepare for predictable Circumstances, and that's what verse 8 talks about. You see, the little ant is quite a teacher. Aunt Aunt can reveal great truths to us. One truth is that she is as diligent in business as anyone possibly can be. This is something that the child of God can learn from the little ant. The ant is busy doing what is the Im- most important thing in her life. She is getting food for the winter, caring for the future, and she is busy about it. Now, I think one of the greatest sins among Christians today is laziness. And many of the lazy ones can be found actually in full-time Christian service. All of us need to ask ourselves questions. We need to ask ourselves what we do with our spare time. Do we read the word of God? Do we study the word of God? And I think that laziness is one of the cases of the ministry today. How much time do you spend? You see, it is a disgrace actually to go to the pulpit on Sunday morning unprepared. And sometimes I have seen preachers who just stand there in the pulpit, saying that the Holy Spirit will give me an instant word when I'm there. No, my friend, you must prepare. How many even those who work in Christian circles who simply sit and not work. For the preacher, my friend, you should have something to say from the word of God when you stand before the sayings of God. For an ordinary Christian working in any place, make sure that you are working, giving good return for your wage at the end of the week, for your wage at the end of the month. The end has a lesson for us. Go to the end, you sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. We must take consideration of how the end works. No one's supervising. And of course, the little creature knows that the God of heaven watches. And that's how a Christian ought to work. You have a master who is from on high, who watches you when you work. Who watches you whether you are tired really, or you are just a sluggard person. Here is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 to verse 11. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. You see, two questions about sleep are posed to the sluggard. You see, his answer is given in verse 10, just a little bit more sleep. The result of such laziness is day poverty, which will come as suddenly and decisively as a robber. How long? Don't keep sleeping. In fact, we do not have to keep on sleeping because the body requires just enough sleep, and after that, you may feel like you want to continue, but it is now the bit of laziness. Wake up. Wake up. It's very easy and comfortable to fold your hands and be sleeping, but that is also how easily poverty and need will come to you. Now we talk about the wicked men. We come to a description of a wicked man. The wicked man is called the son of Belial. The wicked person winks with his eyes and so on. And it must be understood that the evil man is winking, shuffling his feet and pointing his fingers for evil purposes. And fraudness refers to moral perversity that is found in the evil man. Here is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12 to verse 14. O worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devices evil continually. He sows discord. Now, have you ever noticed this in a person? Everything this person does and every gesture he makes is suggestive. Everything he says has a filthy connotation. Now, there are Christians who are borderline cases actually in this respect. You are not sure whether they really know what they stand on. They speak perversity. Yet, Christians are admonished to speak to one another with psalms and spiritual songs, words of encouragement. Now, there is always a little suggestive thing in people who are wicked. This is something that God is speaking against. A child of God ought to be identified by the very things that he speaks. You see, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Garbage in, garbage out. When a child of God is marked by these suggestions, winking with his eyes perverse languages, pointing with his fingers, devising evil continually, that shows you are not a child of God. Even keeping company with people who do such things, the Bible says, come out from among them. Notice that he who sows or casts forth discord is a person who is supposed to be a child of God. And yet every moment of his body is suggestive. It must be understood that the evil man is winking, shuffling his feet, and pointing his fingers for evil purposes. And the Bible says, not to be mentioned among anyone who calls himself a believer are these things. Therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. Proverbs 6, verse 15. May I say something to you, my friend? And I'm going to say it very clearly. We are loaded with people in Christian service today, and we are getting nowhere. Do you know why not? Because God is not mocked. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to verse 8 tells us clearly Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. God is not fooled, my friend. Our God demands a holy life. Do you know why? Because He is holy. He is that kind of a God, and that is the kind of person God is going to be interested in, and He blesses the holy person. Filthiness and dirty should never be found in a child of God. Oh, how we need to recognize that we are dealing with a holy God. My, what an emphasis is needed on holy living among God's people today. God invites you, be holy. For I am holy. Paul even called upon the believers when writing to the Romans, In view of the mercies of God, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your sensible act of worship. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, PO Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.